time to abandon ship. Can I persuade you to join us for a drink? It's a tradition. Here, here. Jaja, call me, my main man. Quickly, before the Separatists attack, get into the escape pod. Hey! This is escape? Then where the pod? Here's the <laughs> Welcome back to Star Wars Escape Pod and our What Happened episode for Boba Fett. One of the biggest Star Wars characters in the franchise, in the saga, and uh, of course our What Happened subseries is uh, is a great series for just discovering beginning to end the story arc of a character. We take all forms of canonicity appearances, going from comics to books to video games, TV shows and uh, animations and the movies of course. So uh, let's dive into the character of Boba Fett starting with his appearances prior to Attack of the Clones and we have myself and Blake to do that. So let's do it. happy landing all right here we are here we are boba fett i mean uh this is a character that well i mean we, we were only chatting about boba fett with uh uh with jess from the boba fett fan club what yeah seems that's right to be almost almost a week ago now or two weeks ago almost but uh, that was a fun conversation i like that was a lot of fun yeah, yeah. Yeah, that was, that was pretty good. good. I'm, I'm excited to uh, watch the series, then get back in touch with her and see you, see what you thought of it. Yeah, yeah, likewise, yeah, and uh, you know, an open invite as well uh, to the fan club's uh, founder, Aaron, as well. Hoping maybe next time he can join us if he's if he's got the time. But uh, yeah, it's it, you know, Boba Fett is this character that's just always kind of had this uh, lasting effect on people, and I mean, we've had jetpack. Yeah, it's the jetpack, man. It's the cool factor. <laughs> but like, he's got he's got a tremendous amount of story from a character who only had like between six and eight something minutes uh, of footage in these original trilogy films, uh, and, and you know, going from that to endless comic books with him in it, and and then the Clone Wars, of course, and the prequels, and. And uh, just kind of the legacy that that character's left for even other characters to kind of do, it's 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 pretty nuts. And um, you know, part of what we've been doing in the What Happened subseries, I guess, is trying to cover what happened with these characters in the best way possible throughout all the times that they showed up. Because Star Wars canon is such a weird, unique, and cool thing at the same time. Because to fans of the movies. They, they, it's a very incomplete picture a lot of the time to a lot of what goes on. And yes, you get your individual stories that kind of create the saga that we mm-hmm. all know and love. And, and that's but, just how George liked to do it, right? He liked to jump right into the middle. Yeah, yeah. He liked to jump into the middle or to where kind of the story counts and, and you know, to skip over other things that a lot of us, you know, crazy hardcore fans love to know about the details, right? Uh, and, uh, you know, it just kind of let authors and other storytellers fill in the gaps, I guess, at Lucasfilm. And then when Disney took over, this whole canon initiative happened and pretty much everything they've been putting out since 2014 has kind of remained true to itself. And every story has tried to kind of 
cross over or interweave with other stories a lot better than what it used to be before. And uh, with Boba Fett, of course, being such a big character, you, you know, it's kind of hard and it's easy to lose track of where he's popped up and when things have happened and, and it's like, Oh, what was he doing during between these two movies? And what was he doing between those two movies? And, you know, and plus you got the split, you got the split between Canon and EU. So a lot of people remember the old EU stuff and not realize it's been replaced. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So, uh, so today, um, I've, I've been reading a whole bunch of stuff that I haven't been able to catch up on for a while. And I was thankful I was finally able to catch up on some of the comic books and everything. And, uh, we've now got a very complete idea as to where this character has been ever since, uh, prior to attack of the clones, all the way up until the book of Boba Fett. And we're going to talk about it right now. So, Let's uh, let's start off with uh, with a few. Actually, well, I had uh, some friends send in a few questions about about Boba Fett and just general kind of things that I guess other people might wonder as well. So, the, one of the first questions uh, sent in by Ellen is actually uh, uh, it was uh, well, sorry, oh, one sec. Oh, what was he doing before Attack of the Clones? And the first thing that I have on the list actually answers that question. So it's a comic book called Age of Republic, Django Fett, and is included in the trade paperback volume called Age of Republic. So I'll just read this quick here and then we can talk about it. Boba joins his father Django on a mission for training purposes. Django is teaching him about the unknown factor in a mission and preparing for the unexpected and trusting instincts. The crew that they work with uh, betray the Fets and take Boba hostage, but he pulls a blaster and kills two of the members of the team, leaving one of them alive to tell the others what happened so no one crosses a Fett. Uh, and then there's a little quote here that I wrote down. A father could never ask for a better start for his son's legacy. <laughs> and this was something that Django said to Boba in the comic. And I thought that was, that was pretty cool. It's true. Uh, and then in a flashback scene in, in this comic, in a flashback scene, it also shows us Django's first encounter with Tyrannus on the moons of Bogdan. And he's recru- recruited as the clone template. Uh, Django takes the job, not just for the credits or uh, the grandiose of a clone army with his face, uh, he takes it for a son. He demands that part of his payment be that he has an unaltered clone in his name. And and the money and stuff isn't as important to him as that. That's pretty neat. Because like, I never really questioned it much uh, before. Because I, I just assumed that him and like Bobo was just being raised on Camino Because they're just kind of stuck there. Like, mm. Because Django would have been living there the whole time Boba was around before Attack of the Clones. Yeah, so this comic actually also answers that question as well. And uh, Tyrannus, uh, Count Dooku, right? He keeps his hood up and refers to himself as Tyrannus. Uh, he says to Django that he would have to live on Camino for direct access for the Kaminoans to access his his blood, right? Or to access his body and um, to be able to use him as the clone template. So aside from that, though, he said you would be able to conduct your normal business off world. But we ask that you do you reside on on Camino when when you're not working. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, which was kind of a fair request. So uh, when we see them in Attack of the Clones kind of stuck there in that little house or the, the little condo, the flat, uh, it, they're, they're not exactly prisoners like they're there because that is their house. But they have free 
a free will to leave whenever they whenever they mm -hmm. like. Okay. Uh, it it just seems that it's a little prisony situation because Obi-Wan comes after them and they're kind of trying to escape and it I guess the whole escape process is just like oh they're trying to escape Kamino but they're actually no they're just trying to get away from Obi-Wan in that moment. So Yeah, I, I never read it yeah. as they were like prisoners there. I always saw it as that's where Jango was working because he was selling them his DNA essentially. And yeah, so it just yeah. offered him like somewhere to stay. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So that's basically, uh, this comic kind of answers that question. Like he's been training Boba on his jobs, uh, for at this point in time, Boba is like 10 or 12 or 13, maybe at the very most. And he and, doesn't yeah. have, uh, like growth enhancement. So he ages yep. like a regular person. Yeah, exactly. So this flashback sequence with Tyrannus happened around the time that the Phantom Menace ends, which is shortly after, of course, the Battle of Naboo and everything like that. Um, it's kind of roughly estimated now in the canon because, of course, the Darth Plagueis book is no longer canon. But the time frame of that book is very, very well done. And I like to kind of mentally consider it as canon as possible. Uh, so, I mean, we, we can all roughly estimate that the time that Dooku and Palpatine kind of got together was very, very close after the events of the Battle of Naboo happened. And Maul was just kind of tossed aside when Tyrannus kind of joined him as an apprentice. And the whole Sifo-Dyas thing happened. The whole creation of the clone army thing happened 10 years prior to Attack of the Clones. So, yeah, like Boba's like... 10 years old at, at in the movie and uh and in the time that he's been training with his father has probably only been about two or three years before because otherwise he would just been a little too young um this comic though is kind of supposed to be one of the first missions that he's been on with his father so um he doesn't really get a whole lot of training before Django dies uh it's just a, a really interesting little window into boba's life though and the fact that yeah he means so much to Django uh, to have that to have his legacy not be in his career but to have it in in the form of a son that can carry that legacy on and that's why Boba is so important and that's like it like the creation of Django and the prequels shouldn't shouldn't diminish Boba's stature to fans uh whereas I know a lot of fans might look at Django as just the the rip-off copy that came <laughs> later with the newer movies but um, but he he's also intended with a purpose, and that is to give Boba the legacy of the Fett name, and and just to kind of build him up to be the character that we all know and love him to be. Right. That being said, George himself did say, "Well, need a bounty hunter, so I like that one. So just made another one." <laughs> yeah, I <he> did. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, friends friends like Boba, and I need another one, so made Django Fett. <laughs> It's <laughs> so funny. He's not wrong though. It, it made a wrong. cool a cool twist of a of a character storyline. Yeah, yeah, it did. And and I mean, I never dislike Django at all, but uh, yeah, he's you know, it's 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 a it's a fet regardless of the matter and you know, it's cool to um we're actually going to get into this a little later because because a lot of people could be angered about the fact that Boba's a clone. Boba doesn't consider himself a clone. And that's one of the most important things to remember as we continue through this journey of this character, because there's been a few times that's come up in the story where someone else calls him a clone or someone else refers to him as a clone. And he refutes that comment with some sort of comeback or, or whatever, because he mm -hmm. isn't a clone to himself. He is his father's son. 
So that's the most important thing about this character. I think that uh, we all have to remember because, uh, you know, it's not just Django's clone Boba. It's Boba Fett. So uh, we had I did always I did always wonder, though. Why did Django go out of his way to get a clone of himself instead of just having a kid like a normal way? He probably wasn't, you know, he wasn't probably, uh, I don't know. He's a bounty hunter, right? That's not the kind of life that you just kind of have a family. <laughs> so, hey, you never know. Other Mandalorians was, do, don't they? Yeah, but they're not bounty hunters, right? Like they're uh, they're not outlaws. They're, uh, they're part of a creed or... And a creed is a family of, of sorts to them, right? So I will say Bosk then, because Bosk has a family, and they're all bounty hunters. Bosk, yeah, yeah, but is that canon though? Because it's that, I, it don't sound, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Is it in the weird. EU for sure? <laughs> yeah, it sounds EU to me. There's some <laughs> weird stuff that comes out of the EU. <laughs> um, so we hit Attack of the Clones, and Django and Boba run into Obi-Wan Kenobi on Kamino. They uh, make their escape and retreat to Geonosis, where the Clone Wars begin. And uh, Django perishes at the hands of Mace Windu in the execution arena. Uh, Boba loses his father that day, uh, which is, at this point, the only person in the galaxy who is truly his family, because he was raised alone and not with clones by his side, like the clones consider each other brothers. Uh, Boba was raised independently as Django's son. So he has no relationship and no connection to any other clone at all, even though they all share the same face. And this comes up in the Clone Wars TV show, which now we can kind of jump to, unless there's anything you want to bring up about Attack of the Clones. I think it was just to point out that this is a really, really harsh start. It's it's almost similar to really what happens to, say, Harry Potter or to luke himself like it's a it's a very dark origin oh yeah yeah for sure and and you know for a tough guy like boba fett you wouldn't expect anything less right i mean before that before Django was even a character i don't know if the question really rang true to like oh who was boba's family like and what was his father like and how did he even get to be this mysterious cool guy that wears this armor and kills people for a living like <laughs> You know, who's raised that way, right? And so uh, it's almost like me wondering, like, uh, how did, uh, I don't know, how did Bib Fortuna get to where he is and what's his family like, right? Like, nobody cares, (laughs) but everyone cares about Boba Fett. Like, I want to know now, like, what what happened to Bib Fortuna's family that he ended up being this, like, leader of, like, the the right-hand man of Java? You know what? I think, here's my theory. The Fortuna family had a fortune. And they there lost it all and sold their son off to this hot slime lord that uh, take him and make him his butler. <laughs> this makes I sense. Know. I think Just you're onto something. Throwing it out there to the story group. Uh, but <laughs> yeah, so I'm like when we hit Clone Wars, like Boba's like uh, he's 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 angry. Like he hates the man who killed his father. Right. So the first time that we uh, that we meet this character in the animated show is in season two episode 20 uh called uh uh death trap and then uh in the following episodes r2d2 come home and lethal trackdown which is the final arc of season two of the clone wars uh and obsessed with getting revenge against mace windu for the loss of his father boba uses his father's status as a template for all clones as a, as the means of his first assassination attempt uh, these episodes also show the influence of Aura Singh as a mother figure who's twisted and evil 
or at least a mentor to young Boba. And uh, then in season four, episode 15, although Boba Fett doesn't play the largest role in this episode, it is kind of a vital one because it features Cad Bane, which makes it even better. And he, he helps stage a distraction in the Republic prison. Uh, this is the same arc that Obi-Wan goes undercover as the character known as Racco Hardeen. And uh, Boba and Bosk and stuff, they kind of like have this distraction thing that, that's put into place. And, and uh, Cad Bane uses Boba to stage um, a distraction which causes the prison break to happen. And this Republic prison break is kind of known as like a huge event that happens during the Clone Wars that a bunch of criminals got away in large quantities. Uh, later on, we pick up in uh, Season 4, Episode 20, called Bounty. Uh, and before he donned the iconic Mandalorian armor worn by his father, uh, Boba had to prove he could lead and kind of be his own independent character, um, I guess. So working with a group of bounty hunters, including Asajj Ventress, who at this point becomes a bounty hunter herself, Boba Fett goes out of his way to ensure everyone he th- uh, knows he's in charge. And this is the episode where they have the train heist, which was a great way to feature this character. And uh, by the end of the episode, Boba has not only worked with Dengar, Bosk, and a few other bounty hunters, but Ventress as well. And was a super cool episode. It's probably one of the best bounty hunter episodes of the whole Clone Wars show. And that also was, I think, the first time where we saw Boba actually kind of have like, like a heart yeah yeah we see it like an emotional side to boba because after Mm -hmm. the whole mace windu revenge thing is kind of resolved um i know we talked about that a little more extensively with jess like when we were talking about the legacy of boba fett uh there's that moment where he hondo kind of takes him aside when when plo koon and ahsoka are questioning him for answers of where where or singh took a bunch of hostages which are republic troops and hondo kind of talks some sense into him and explains to him that his father had a code and that he was a respectful and honorable man who was he told the truth even to his enemies like like kenobi comes asking Django fett like what the deal is and he's like i was recruited by a man named tom Rennis on one of the moons of bogdan <laughs> It's true. He just, he just, he just gives it to him out. flat. He just killed. Yeah. And like the whole movie, Obi-Wan is told the truth by him, by Dooku, by everyone. Yes. And he doesn't believe a thing. It's like, like I don't know. It's it's like, that's it's funny. problem. What, it's a good point, though, because if you're always expecting the bad guy to lie to you, then he tells you the truth. You're not going to believe him. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, um, so yeah, it, I mean, his story in the Clone Wars is great. And uh, those are all the episodes that he shows up in. Um, if anyone wants to follow his Clone Wars arc in the Clone War in the Clone Wars, and uh, you know, going through seasons two, episode twenty through twenty-two, and then season four, episode fifteen and twenty, is kind of a great five-episode story of just him showing up sporadically through that show, and you kind of see some uh, some evolving of that character, which is really cool. Uh, he does show up again in the Clone Wars, uh, but this is kind of post-show cancellation. So the only episodes that you're going to be able to consume at this point is either in comic or novel form. And his appearances is specifically in the Dark Disciple novel, which adapted eight uh, episodes that were never made for the Clone Wars. Uh, but there's still canon and stuff. It's all in a, in a canon novel. And uh, Quinlan Voss, who's a Jedi Master, seeks out Boba and uh, his bounty hunter group to locate Ventress at one point because he knows that she's had dealings with him in the past. And then later on in the story, Ventress travels to uh, to uh, Chalmun's 
uh, Chow Moon's spaceport cantina on Tatooine, where she enlists the support of several bounty hunters, including Boba Fett, Bosk, Lats Razi, C21 High Singer, and Embo, who are mostly bounty hunters she worked with on the train heist job, uh, to rescue Quinlan Voss from Dooku. At this point in the story, Dooku is kind of in prison, Quinlan Voss. And, uh, you know, if anyone listened to our Quinlan Voss What Happened episode, you'll know exactly where we're at with that story. Uh, as part of our plan, as part of their plan, the, the bounty hunters stage a diversion by attacking Dooku's battle droids. Meanwhile, Ventress makes her way into Dooku's palace to get Voss. Unable to rescue Voss, though, Ventress is forced to retreat with her bounty hunter conf- uh, confederates. And as they leave, she catches a glimpse of Voss walking with Dooku, showing that he has indeed become Dooku's newest Sith apprentice. Uh, that, of course, is another story uh, to pursue, and you can you guys can check out our Quinlan Voss What Happened episode. Uh, but uh, yeah, the point is Boba Fett helped uh, Ventress on the job of trying to rescue Voss, and uh, they ended up failing that that job. And that's the end of the the Clone Wars, the prequel ish era that we see him in until he shows up much later. Uh, is it worth a, bringing up like the the reels? The reels. Yeah, where we find out that uh, oh. Boba Fett <laughs> became Cad Bane's apprentice. Yeah, so uh, it's a brief mention that these clips have not yet been confirmed as canon material because they have not yet been adapted into any uh, any current story. But yeah, he did have one final appearance in the Clone Wars show, which was also a, a section of it that wasn't made. Uh, where he ended up taking uh, an apprenticeship with uh, Cad Bane in a little bit. They kind of work together on a job of some kind, and we don't really know a whole lot of details about it. Uh, Dave Filoni talked about this arc at one of the conventions that they had in the past and revealed that Boba was kind of like under the mentorship of Cad Bane, who respected Jango a lot before he died, and then Cad Bane ascended to being known as the number one bounty hunter of that time period. Uh, Cad Bane having a lot of Western flair obviously rubbed off a lot on Boba Fett because now Boba's the guy that wears the spurs. He's got the kind of Western vibe about him. And uh, and so a lot of that inspiration comes from that character. And uh, that was, I think, one of the coolest parts about it. Um, that whole story arc kind of came to a close with some sort of... Uh, some sort of issue that came up between Cad Bane and Boba and it was over it was over uh, the morale of killing innocent people I believe and Boba decided not to kill uh, a bunch of innocent people and decided to have a standoff with with Cad Bane instead when we watched the Bad Batch episode where Cad Bane comes face to face with uh, with Hunter they have a very similar moment where they kind of have that that gunslinger western moment you know like duel at high noon sort of situation high noon face off yeah the classic old west duel yeah which was pretty cool um this leads me to believe that this entire boba fett cad bane arc no longer happens in the canon they're gonna probably tell the story a little differently but what i thought was really cool about this planned story was that they have this face off and they they shoot each other at the same time and boba wearing his mandalorian armor takes the the hit in the head and it cad bane is the reason why he's got the dent in his helmet 
Yeah, I like that. To me, that's such a good story point. It we, is so good. Because yeah. Boba has always had this dent in his helmet, and everyone's always wondered what it's from. So Right, and it's from that moment. And I like to still believe somehow they're going to work that story into the canon somehow. But for now, it kind of remains in this gray area of, like, this was intended to be canon in the Clone Wars, and then that arc just never came to be when Disney came canceling everything. So thanks, Disney. <laughs> uh, and then in that moment, Cad Bane also dies. He bites the the bullet and and dead right but now that we have the bad batch we know that that storyline doesn't happen and he or it hasn't happened lives. yet oh yeah or it hasn't happened yet or maybe he does end up taking a blaster bolt from boba and not dying so that's also a possibility but uh, i liked the story that boba does kill cad bane and agreed yeah and that was that right it's a, so, it's a really good ascendancy story for Boba because his like his dad was the best bounty hunter. Cad Bane takes over, and for him to earn that right, like I don't think it should be Cad Bane retires. I think it needs to come down to Boba proving himself. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, so there's another thing to mention about the Clone Wars. There's a couple stories in which Boba shows up that Slave One changes hands quite a bit, and uh, at one point, this is in the first story arc with uh with boba and aura Singh, uh aura kind of she tries to get away in slave one without boba when he's being taken into custody by by the republic after this whole thing goes down he tells the the jedi where the hostages are ahsoka goes after uh aura Singh, pursuing the the hostages and uh boba's get sent to the prison which is where he later is in season four but uh prior to that uh, Aura tries to get away in Slave 1 and uh, Ahsoka takes Slave 1 down by cutting off the wing and it crashes into uh, the the plains of, of Florum, which is a planet that Hondo lives on. Later in the Clone Wars, we see that Hondo has taken possession of Slave 1 and rebuilt it and fixed it and painted it in his own colors, which is the burgundy robe with the green highlights that he is commonly wearing. Uh, this is later the color scheme that Boba kind of goes with on the ship uh, when he is a bounty hunter. He kind of just leaves that paint scheme there and fixes it up a little bit because it's slightly different in Hondo's garage, but the colors are almost exact to what it shows up in, in Empire Do you think Respect. he decides to own that color? Like he likes it or do you think he just I too lazy so. to get it repainted? I think, I think Boba, <laughs> here's, the, here's the interesting thing about Boba is like, and this is the reason why I bring it up is because he has no father and he's such a young guy that any kind of mentorship that he gets from anyone, it rubs off on him. Right. So, so like the Western flair of Cad Bane that adds into the mix. Uh, Hondo's preferred colors on Slave One, you throw that into the mix, right? Like there's all these things that kind of just build on top of it that make Boba Fett, including living this crazy outlaw life at such a young age, which makes him this hardened soul. <laughs> uh, there's there's a lot going on there. And, and, uh, and so out of the brief appearances that we do see this character in the Clone Wars, they're very crucial to like what he is later. So the changing hands of Slave One. We we assume that by the end of of the Clone Wars, he reclaims Slave One, you know, into into his own possession again. Uh, a suspected plot line, of course. Now that we have the Bad Batch, I'm just going to go over this very suspected plot line, which is probably accurate, but you know, just so that's out there. Since the first Battle of Geonosis, Boba had been considered a missing person by the Kaminoans. 
Without access to him, Prime Minister Lama Su turned to the clone cl uh, turned the cloner's attention to Omega during the early imperial era, intending to use her pure fat DNA to create a superior clone a clone model for the Galactic Empire. As a new government as the new government was turning away from using clone troopers. Hiring the bounty hunter Fennec Shand, Dr. Nala say frustrated Sue's efforts by ensuring Omega was kept safe. Uh, furthermore, Omega had joined the renegade clone commando unit known as Clone Force 99, who are being made aware of her importance to the Kaminoans, including her relation to Boba by uh, Commando Tech. So uh, they they clue in that she's, of course, Omega's fat, fat DNA to the replica except yeah, a different gender pure, pure blood yeah yeah so she is um kind of like how you have the alpha and the omega boba fett is technically an alpha the alpha clone and omega being the omega clone so i think that's probably why they called her omega that uh, actually so makes sense yeah I like just had to beginning throw that in, in the end. Yeah, I just had to throw that in there because it does have something to do with Boba, and this could be a storyline that we then later see grow next year when we get season two of the Bad Batch. What are your thoughts on that? On the next season of Bad Batch, if Boba shows up and starts becoming a one of the main characters, I think it's an a, a, it's a much needed plot line detail that we need. Uh, whether it's told in the Bad Batch or a Clone Wars continuation with them doing those arcs <laughs> uh, that they never finished or whatever. Like, I don't really care how it's done. They just need to tell that story uh, um, because Boba had such a had such a presence in the Clone Wars TV show. And if he doesn't have a presence in the Bad Batch show, then I'm going to be disappointed. But as we know from... The Bad Batch, uh, they've been really focusing in on those characters and haven't really been like the, the Clone Wars had their moments where they had complete story arcs with other characters that weren't clones. And that was the coolest. That was where the the, the show really got good because uh, it was able to tell other stories that that existed in this time period that didn't have anything to do with the Jedi necessarily, but they were really good stories and they develop some characters a lot, right? Yeah. I know we talked about that a lot when we, we were actually actively watching the show, which is coming out. Yeah. Because I know that was one thing we were really let down by with Rebels is they never did anything like that. It was always just yeah. the crew of the Ghost. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. And so, so with the Bad Badge, I think you and I are both hoping that they that they end up doing what Clone Wars did, where they just go elsewhere. It's like, yes, it's called the Bad Batch show, but can we tell this story that has other characters in it that has nothing to do with clone force 99 and getting a boba fett story arc in that show i think it's totally deserved like it, it you know it could totally happen and i'd be happy with that did they in the first season of clone wars do they tell arcs of other characters or was that not till season two? Oh man i you know i'm trying to remember Exactly. Uh, they still somewhat involve the main trio being Obi-Wan, Anakin, or Ahsoka, or Padme, or somebody. Mm -hmm. uh, but yeah, it was later on that they got more comfortable trying to get away from that group. And 
And I think with Bad Batch, it could be the same thing. Like yeah, it's a new okay. show. They're trying to get you used to these characters right away, right out of the gate. You know, we start off with the overlap of Revenge of the Sith. It's all good. I think it's just after season two or three, we should start kind of moving away from that focus and starting to get these other story arcs. Uh, I think that that is kind of what that show needs to really thrive, you know, uh, just in my own opinion. I mean, it, you know, some of the coolest arcs in Clone Wars are just Darth Maul and his brother. Like, <laughs> no, it's I mean, true. And and so, yeah, like, like, I would love the Bad Batch to expand like Clone Wars does and, and go elsewhere in the galaxy and see other other characters that uh, have much needed to be told stories in this time period. So, well, we know that Dave Filoni listens to the show, so he's probably writing it down as we speak. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you know, speaking of which, we haven't had him on the show for a little while. We got to get him back. Well, <laughs> yeah, fake Filoni. Uh, <laughs> you got him on speed dial, don't you? I do have him on speed dial. You know, maybe maybe we can give him a call when this is over. <laughs> oh, sure, I'm sure. He's got input for Boba. Yeah, yeah. I'm sure. I'm sure he does. So uh, moving on from the Bad Batch, we have a Galaxy's Edge issue number two, which is a flashback story, takes place during the time of the Galactic Civil War, which is kind of the Rebellion Empire era. Uh, Fett was regarded as an established bounty hunter who worked as one of Jabba the Hutt's go-to mercenaries. During the trade wars, Jabba considered hiring Fett to lead a mission to Megiddo to extract a given codebreaker, given being the species. Uh, whose uh, AJ-6 cyborg construct linked him to an imperial algorithm that created security codes. So this guy has very, got very crucial uh, imperial information and Jabba almost considered hiring Boba to, uh, to go get this guy, uh, which would have uh, generated billion dollar, billions in, in profits uh, used for, for smuggling purposes. However, the Hutt crime lord instead hired Rodian bounty hunter Greedo, who considered himself better than Fett, but of course failed on the mission. Fett was present in Jabba's palace when the crime lord reprimanded Greedo, nearly throwing the Rodian into his rancor pit until the Athorian Doc Ondor agreed to purchase a special lightsaber that the bounty hunter had recovered on the mission. This is Kiati Mundi's lightsaber from Order 66. He, he died on, Kamino, on uh, Megiddo and uh, his lightsaber was lost. Doc Ondor is, of course, from Galaxy's Edge. We know him as Doc Ondor from Galaxy's Edge. <laughs> Anyone who's been to Galaxy's Edge will know who I'm talking about. If you, if you don't know, then he's a guy that owns a shop and you can buy a bunch of stuff there. That's, he's also known for his hobby of collecting relics of the past and uh, you know, and being a lightsaber is like a priceless object to him. So he offers Jabba a price for the lightsaber that Greedo recovers from the mission that ends up failing. But because he buys the lightsaber for such a high, steep cost, because the value is is absurd for this thing, uh, it actually ends up satisfying Jabba enough that he doesn't kill Greedo after all. And uh, thus ends that Greedo story. gets so, lucky. Yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> uh, he ran out of luck this day, and so it wasn't there in the cantina in episode four. Exactly, yeah. And, and the reason why I bring this story up, because Boba doesn't really have a whole lot to do with it, but the fact that he's working for Jabba as a go-to mercenary during this time, and he's present in the throne room when this whole thing goes down, uh, is just supposed to give you the idea that at this early on, even before episode four, uh, this, this moment like he has a working relationship with Jabba the Hutt. He's not one of his minions, but 
that's just kind of what he does. Like he goes to Jabba for a lot of employment. Mm-hmm. So, well, I'm uh, sure he goes to whoever's the highest bidder. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah, exactly. Like whatever, whatever job's paying the most. So, episode four rolls around, and we get a bit of an overlap story here because, of course, from the special editions or the movies that you'd watch on Disney Plus, are all the latest Blu-ray slash redistributed digital versions that have all the latest effects in it and everything. The added scenes, of course, where they put Boba in the docking bay '94. Uh, yeah. That he shows up and does a little nod to the camera before he walks away. <laughs> uh, Why? <laughs> so uh, the book, uh, the, the, we, we recently celebrated the 40th anniversary of A New Hope not that long ago. It was, uh, how long ago was it? It was, a couple, it was a couple years ago now. I think it was the year that we went to Celebration, actually, I think uh, 20, 2017, right? Yeah. Yeah. So around that time, there was a book that came out called From a Certain Point of View. And this was uh, basically episode four retold in the format of every chapter is a short story told by a character that witnessed an event that happened during the course of the film. So it's basically like when you watch A New Hope and then you read From a Certain Point of View, you're basically experiencing that story again just from other people's perspectives. And it gives you a real insight in one of the chapters called Added Muscle into uh, Boba Fett, what has he been doing right before episode four, which is kind of a cool little moment. So uh, at some point before the secret mission to Tatooine, which of course is Leia trying to go to Obi-Wan Kenobi for help, uh, Boba traveled to Coruscant where he encountered three rebel spies. After the spies attempted to engage Boba with ion disruptors, he dis- he disintegrated them using a weapon accelerator, which angered Darth Vader a lot, who refused to pay Boba for the bounty as there were no bodies. Uh, this becomes an issue later in episode five when he says, no disintegrations. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, Boba originally planned to leave Tatooine, to which he uh, had then journeyed to. He was still he was on Tatooine around the time that uh, the secret mission to Tatooine happened. After catching wind that Vader was looking for a couple of runaway droids, Boba changed plans in order to attempt to collect the bounty. He didn't get farther, though, than suspecting the third resident of the suspected homestead had run off with the droids under much observation. So he basically went to the Lars homestead, saw the two burning bodies, did some tracking and stuff like that, saw that there were some footprints and clues that there was a third individual that lived there, and he had no way of pursuing that person, but he assumed that they just took the droids and left, and it was kind of a lost cause. But that's why he's on Tatooine when Jabba comes face-to-face with Han Solo. He probably employed Boba to kind of go as some security effort or whatever, because he goes in person, which kind of make, makes no sense but you know i guess he sends greedo to kill him and that doesn't work out so he goes in person but uh but yeah that's why boba's on tatooine so there you go well at least they explained it because i know when i first watched the special editions in the late 90s i'm like boba fett boba fett <laughs> <laughs> yeah oh man um so Darth Vader, the 2015 comic series, rolls around, and this story takes place between episode four and five. Uh, Marvel comic books, Star Wars Volume 1 and Darth Vader Volume 1, the first volumes of Marvel's newly relaunched Star Wars and Darth Vader comics reveal a story of how Vader first discovered the identity of the young rebel who blew up the Death Star. Uh, Boba Fett plays a pivotal role in these events. Uh, Vader comes to Jabba's palace with business on behalf of the Empire, 
and a personal mission. Uh, so Boba and the Wookiee Black Cranston are employed for his <laughs> personal missions. Uh, Boba was uh, Boba's mission on behalf of Vader himself was to capture a rebel, the Rebel Alliance pilot who was associated with a man named Obi Wan Kenobi, and smuggling the and the smuggling vessel known as the Millennium Falcon. After extensive tracking, Boba goes to the cantina in Mos Eisley, where he interrogates a farm boy into revealing Skywalker's name and his history growing, growing up with the boy uh, near Tashi Station. Uh, Boba kills the farm boy and exits the cantina. He intercepts Luke at Ben's hut in the Jundlin Wastes, uh, who has gone there for information. Boba wins the fight, but is knocked unconscious by a box thrown or dropped on his head in the chaos, because there's <laughs> a lot of smoke and everything, and I'm not entirely sure why this box falls on his head, because I read the and comic, and it, it, it's, it looks as if someone threw it at him, but only R2-D2 is there, so it... It doesn't really insinuate exactly what happened, which is. Kind doesn't of he have weird. a helmet on? Yeah, he does. Uh, so apparently, Beskar can block blaster bolts. It can't stop uh, a small box with a book in it. <laughs> uh, he then later reports to Lord Vader that he was unable to detain the boy, but reveals to Vader the name Skywalker, and uh, thus is Boba's involvement with uh, helping Vader discover that he has a son. Uh, so. That was an important moment for that character as well, because it also establishes he has a previous relationship with Vader. Uh, I mean, also a certain point of view also kind of added that in, but uh, he's also a go-to guy for Vader to employ as well as Jabba. Uh, all that's kind of a lot to take in. What do you think of him killing this farm boy? I thought that was a little weird, especially after... It is odd. Yeah. Because I feel like it's supposed to insinuate him killing Luke. I don't know if it's like, uh, I thought it wasn't a mistake. It, it was, so no, like, it, it was, it was direct. So he basically ties up this boy who's maybe in his late teens around mm -hmm. Luke's age. Right. And questions him about where Luke is because he's the guy that the kid that Vader is looking for. And, uh, and then after he gets the information he needs, he shoots him and walks away out of the cantina. So I don't know if it was just a matter of proving something to everyone in the cantina who witnessed the event or if it was a matter of like I'm doing it for the heck of it, but like it that moment didn't really line up for me with how we know Boba mm -hmm. Fett to be at this point in time. I agree. Like if before the prequels came out, this would seem in line because he was very ruthless. Yeah. But now that we know him to be the honorable son of Django, it seems out of character. Yeah, it does. Yeah. And he does a few things like that in the comics that were a little questionable. And do you think and that's the Aura Singh coming out? I I think so because Aura Singh just killed anybody. Like she was off the hook, you know. Uh, it's just it, the guy that we know from Clone Wars is clearly the same character that we see in the book of Boba Fett. Yeah, um, that's the same character, right? Like that they line up really well with holding promises and keeping one's word and having a code and all that stuff. This moment here was just so out there to me that I was like. He's got the information. He doesn't need to kill the guy. I mean, you know, I don't know. Especially just, a kid. Yeah, especially someone who is a bit younger. It, it just didn't really make a whole lot of sense. So anyone who does read those early comics of the uh, Darth Vader and Star Wars series, like, you know, it just, I don't know. Maybe send in an email that, or something trying to explain it to me because I, I didn't I didn't get it. This is a little, little meta of an explanation, but it could be that 
It was early in the comics, and I doubt the person who wrote that watched Clone Wars. <laughs> so they're probably enough, basing yeah. it on the EU Boba Fett yeah. and the original trilogy. That's true, yeah. And and this is also something else to bring up at this time. Uh, we're, we're going into major spoiler territory with all these things that maybe one, <laughs> some of you guys haven't read yet. So, you know, uh, <laughs> uh, just as a heads up. Uh, but uh, the other thing is uh, the canon does have inconsistencies. Much like the EU has a lot of inconsistencies, the canon still has inconsistencies. It's just that's the, uh, the story that we're you know, the timeline that we're, we're going with as we kind of break down this character. Cause you know, let's be honest, all the, all the stories told, you know, from here on out are the canon storyline. So, um, let's move on to the next appearance that he makes in age of rebellion, uh, which is the, the next, uh, big volume of single shot character comics that happened. And he's got his own comic in there called age of rebellion, Boba Fett, uh, Boba tracks down a bounty who is, in fact, a criminal bounty hunter himself. Known for not abiding by the guild's code of ethics or laws, Boba reaffirms the town that he saves from this man at the end of the story that he doesn't hunt bad guys, he hunts bounties. Uh, so, yeah, that's it was a very quick, simple story, and nothing overly confusing about it. He goes after a target, and people see this as a selfless act for saving their town when in fact it just coincided with uh with a, a target that he was after for the money and he reaffirms one of the townsmen who says thank you you saved my sister's village and all this and that and he's like uh, he's you know can you come and get these other bad guys or whatever and he's like i don't hunt bad guys i hunt bounties <laughs> so so basically he's saying how much you got yeah pretty much yeah <laughs> Um, Age of Rebellion Jabba the Hutt uh, is also another issue that takes place in this in this volume of comics and uh, Boba's help is enlisted by a Jabba to help trick the Tuscans into relying upon him for protection from the Jawas and Imperials or anyone else. Boba helps stir up a battle between all the parties interested in the Tuscan's famous wine brew called Tuscan Wind, which is a rare and priceless beverage that is gifted to Jabba at the end of the story. Uh, so once again, working for Jabba the Hutt. I gotta say, if you told me that they were gonna gift Job a Tuscan wind, that's not what I would have expected. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, this is not to be confused with the same drink. At least I don't think it's to be confused with the same drink that is offered to the Mandalorian and Cobb Vanth in the Mandalorian show. Uh, when the Tuscans offer mm. them that that. Those like really, smoke bomb things. Yeah, those smoke bomb drink things. Yeah, it's, like, it, I don't think it's the same thing. Stink bombs. <laughs> yes. Yeah, <laughs> Yeah. exactly. Um, also, one more thing to clear up as we kind of move on from there to the Empire Strikes Back. Um, I brought up something called the Trade Wars earlier with Galaxy's Edge comic, which has been happening around this period of time. Uh, the Trade Wars was a series of economic struggles between the intergalactic banking clan the Hutt clan and the Hutt clan during the Imperial era. Uh, and uh, a bunch of things happened during this, during this time period. And that's pretty much the only mention of the trade wars. But if anyone's wondering what that is around the time that a new hope is going on, there's a lot of kind of political dispute between the Huts and the banking clan. So that's pretty much what that was all about. Hmm. 
All right, so we've hit Empire Strikes Back, and uh, Boba obviously is after the bounty on Han Solo, and aids Vader on Bespin with the capture of Luke Skywalker, whilst also getting Han Solo as the reward, and uh, then taking him away in Slave One, flying off into the galaxy, and never to be seen again until Return of the Jedi in the films. Of course, that's uh, how we know the story, and uh, yet this is where things kind of get interesting because there's a whole year's worth of time between episode five and six and uh, those events are now told in this comic book series called war of the bounty hunters as well as the bounty hunters comic book uh, lineup which has been an ongoing series and i had to do a lot of reading catch up today just to kind of get the gist of what's going on but basically there's a mini series called war of the bounty hunters there is an ongoing crossover label called War of the Bounty Hunters. And then there's a couple series that cross over to make this crossover, which is the Star Wars ongoing series, the Darth Vader series, the Dr. Aphra series, the Bounty Hunter series. And then there was a couple one shots that they, that they uh, sprinkled through this crossover event. So it's the biggest Star Wars crossover comic event that they've done to date. Uh, and there's a lot of stuff on the roster. So... I did my best to try and go through as much as possible, and I believe I hit about 95% of all the moments that Boba shows up through this series. So hopefully I've covered it pretty well. So That'd let's be very t- confusing jumping in the middle of an arc like that. <laughs> I start, Well, I started from the beginning and made my way through and then went back and kind of did the layers because they all overlap, like all these storylines mm-hmm. overlap with each other. So I've tried to place them in as best of order as possible on this reading list. So I'm going to do a bunch of reading now and then we're going to talk about it in just a sec. So War of the Bounty Hunters, Jabba, which is a single shot uh, comic, mostly about that character in this crossover, uh, takes place right after Empire Strikes Back. <clears throat> Boba helps a woman called uh, Deva on a job, and this has happened in the past. She double-crossed him to help uh, the target, who, el- who turns out to be working for Crimson Dawn. And at this point in time, Crimson Dawn is galactically wide known to be disintegrated at this point, because, of course, if you think back to the Solo movie, which took place five years after Revenge of the Sith, it's been a long time since Crimson Dawn was a thing, and since then, Maul has also died, which was in Star Wars Rebels. So the leader of Crimson Dawn died, Crimson Dawn theoretically should no longer exist, and we haven't seen the character of Kira show up in the original trilogy at all. So um, in the story, they've painted this picture that Crimson Dawn no longer exists anymore, but it's kind of starting to come back. Um... So this character, Deva, ends up killing the target, uh, though, uh, <laughs> even though she kind of fights with Boba Fett, it's, it's just a weird, confusing couple pages of what the heck is going on. Uh, she brings back the bounty's head and Boba's unconscious body to Jabba. Uh, Boba's fine. Uh, Crimson Dawn uses, uh, uses Deva to set up some of the events that take place in the War of the Bounty Hunters comic series. There, there's just this weird kind of like connection there. So it's, it, the Jabba the Hutt comic was to, uh, there to, at least I think that's how I read it right. Um, you know, so, someone can correct me if I'm wrong, but uh, but the Jabba the Hutt comic was basically to set up the events of the War of the Bounty Hunters crossover. Then we get into the Bounty Hunters continuing storyline. So mind you, when I say continuing story, I mean the issues for this series are still coming out and 
characters like Boba Fett and stuff could still have more details to get into at a later date. But as of right now, this is kind of what is there. So after Boba agrees to help Bosk on a job with a crew he's never worked before, things don't exactly work out as planned. And the famed Nakano Lash, which is a, 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 a mentor of Valance, and Valance is a character that Han Solo once knew in the Imperial Academy, who has since become a bounty hunter. Uh, so the famed Nakano Lash uh, decides the fate of a girl's life, over, which is more important than the success of the job that she's working with Boba and, uh, and Bosk and a bunch of other characters. The mission goes to crap when she makes this choice and basically screws over everybody, including Boba Fett. And it's his first big failed bounty mission in a long while, which affects his reputation. That's why it's important. Uh, he detours from course to Tatooine uh, because, of course, this is just kind of backstory. He finds out that this person is in a particular location. And as he's mid-flight going from Bespin to Tatooine, detours Slave One to seek his revenge on this person. And to shorten that story, he finds his revenge, kills this Nakano Lash character, and he says, never betray a bounty hunter, or, you know, or never, never, uh, he says something in a little revenge line, but on the back of the comic book, it says, never betray a bounty hunter, especially if it's Boba Fett. So that's why that story is important. Uh, he goes and seeks out his revenge on this character. But the most important detail of that, of course, is that he detours with Han Solo, still in Carbonite, in his ship, away from. Tatooine, which is where he was supposed to take the bounty. So this is what causes all the ruckus because, of course, everyone wants Han Solo. He's like the most, you know, expensive bounty in the galaxy at this point in time. So that's when we Yeah, hit, everyone's after him. Yeah. So that's when we hit the War of the Bounty Hunters miniseries, which kicks off kind of the main crossover event. Boba runs into trouble with Han's Carbonite and needs to stop off to see a contact that he knows on Nar Shadda to repair his carbon stasis or he could die. And if Han Solo dies, he's really not worth much to Jabba. Uh, needing some credits to pay for the repair job, he enlists in a fight arena for the money. He goes by the name of his father, Django, and paints his armor black with nano paint to hide his identity. That part was kind of cool because uh, he needs an alias, so he actually goes by his father's name, by Django. And uh, anyway, Boba dominates. What is nano paint? Nano paint is like a it's a paint that sticks to cloth and metal, and I guess he can clean it off really easily, almost like what we would call like plasti dip or something like that. Like it's just okay. like it's not like paint paint that stays on permanently. It's like a guess what I wondered. Like What's a, funny? Yeah, is he's trying to save that battered look? <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's uh, it, it's uh, yeah. Honestly, a, 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 a like a black armored Boba Fett. It looked pretty cool when I was when I was reading the comic. I was like, oh, I believe I, it. I, I can dig this. This is pretty sweet. Um, so Boba Fett obviously wins all the matches, and uh, at the end of the thing, his winnings end up going to a notorious man called Kanji who had bet the wrong way uh, in the fight arena and forces Boba to walk away without his money, uh, tells him to keep fighting for the rest of the winnings, but that this initial set of winnings goes to him for the loss of his other fighter or whatever. Uh, so he decides to take his losses and, and leave. Meanwhile, someone has stolen his score. Someone has kind of gone to where they were uh, repairing or where this guy was repairing uh, Han Solo's carbonite stasis and killed him and walked away with, with Han Solo and carbonite. Um, and so Boba Fett loses solo. 
um, a bounty is then opened on Boba on behalf of Jabba uh, because he has failed to return to Tatooine on time with his score. Forloom and Zuckus come after him, but Boba kicks Zuckus off a ledge, bests him in a fight, and I think Zuckus dies. Um, and uh, Forloom is also kind of destroyed at this point as well. Um, he's also really ticked that they damaged Slave 1 to get his attention. Uh, Boba flies off to confront Jabba in efforts to clear things up when he discovers that Jabba's bounty was changed from Solo to Boba after he didn't deliver on time. Boba discovers the return of Crimson Dawn, who is responsible for stealing Han from him. And behind that, as we know, is, of course, at this point in the comics, big spoiler, is Lady Kira. That's what she's referred to oh, at this so point. She's and still around then. She's still around. Yeah, she's ruling. She's still Crimson, Crimson Dawn. Dawn. Yeah. She, she, uh, so when she goes off, uh, to she leaves Solo behind and goes off because, you know, she gets in contact with Maul and decides to seek power over love, I guess. Um, this is where her story picks up again. Crimson Dawn hosts a large party, one that all the syndicates and crime families around the galaxy are invited to including the Empire, which Boba plans to crash in hopes of recovering Solo. He has a run-in with Bosk, which is interesting to see the dialogue there, because of course we know that Bosk and Boba worked together quite a bit during the Clone Wars, and Bosk even had his back in the prison quite a few times. So um, seeing them kind of growing up a little more, of course they're kind of competing for the same score, and they're a bit of a rivalry going on there. So uh, they actually acknowledged that in the comic, which was which was nice. It was you know well-deserved. Um, he ends up tying up Bosk and winning the fight there naturally because, you know, he's Boba Fett. Uh, he approaches Dr. Aphra and the party for aid in causing a distraction, which turns out that she's there as well for her own reasons. She recognizes him as a clone uh, from his voice, despite being able to see his face from the hood that he's wearing to the party. So he's disguised and everything, doesn't have his armor on, but he's got a hoodie up and Dr. Aphra can't see his face, but she can hear his voice. And she recognizes him from old... Uh, hollows that she watched about the clone wars because she's an archaeologist and knows history and stuff like that so uh, that was kind of a cool moment as well but when she says then when she calls him out as being a clone he just replies no no i'm not he just flat out says i'm not a clone even though he, he technically is it, it comes up again where he doesn't think of himself as a clone he's his father's son uh Kira presents Captain Solo to the party as a favor to a guest who bids the highest, uh, where a lot goes down, including a fight between Vader and Kira. Vader shows up, crashes the party, demands that Solo belongs to him and everything. Kira makes a big stand about it and uses her martial art training that she learned from, uh, from I guess, what we know as Darth Maul and um, Dryden Voss. Uh, I forget the name of that, but they actually use the name of the martial art that she knows. Uh, it's the same martial art that Dryden Voss knows, and I'm totally blanking on it. But yeah, you, I don't remember the name. You it's know what I'm talking about, though, right? Once. Yeah, yeah it's, it's like two, it's like a two-word name for it. Like, Yeah, it's like Star Wars version of Jiu-Jitsu or whatever. Uh, so she actually fights Vader, which is kind of one of the coolest moments because she actually holds up really well, but she doesn't have the force, so naturally she loses the fight. Um, and... Uh, She's fine though. Uh, she she goes she she gets away unscathed. Uh, but uh, she actually has a plan as to why that happened, and and it was basically to prove to everyone at the party, to all the other crime syndicates in the galaxy, that uh, that 
the Crimson Dawn is back and they can they will not bow down to anyone and they will even fight Vader who no one is about to confront at this party like everyone's like yeah take him take him it's yours you know hmm. uh, the only person who puts a stink of it is is Jabba and even he who's at the party as well and Jabba's like you know what in person I, yeah and Jabba's oh, like wow. you know what it, uh, him and the the Hut Council and Jabba says to Vader you know what take Solo our relationship is more important, you know, because the huts are the esteemed, recognized, uh, number one imperial respected crime unit, I guess, like, and which gives them power over the other syndicates. So that status is more important to, to Jabba than getting Solo for revenge. So uh, he decides to part with Solo after a bit of bickering. It's crazy. I mean, they crammed all this into the, in between the flight of Boba Fett from Bespin to Tatooine. <laughs> yeah, 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 totally. So um, so the fight goes down between Vader and Kira. Uh, Vader uh, uh, wins the fight, has Solo sent to his ship. Uh, meanwhile, Boba has struck a deal with Valance uh, to help him reclaim Solo. Uh, before they can intercept the shuttle, though, Hut warships... Uh, not Jabba's hut warships, other huts that are bitter about the fact that Jabba bowed down to Vader. Uh, they interfere and attack the Empire on behalf of one of their own, which is Boku the Hut, who's a member of the Council. Boba and Valance make it aboard the Imperial Cruiser, the Executioner, that um, is holding Han now at this time. And uh, Boba throws a detonator at Valance, and it explodes, and he basically leaves him for dead, telling him that if he wants another shot at Solo to find him on Tatooine, uh, where he will be. Boba comes face to face with Han's friends, which end up being Chewie, Leia, and Lando have snuck aboard this Imperial cruiser as well to rescue Han. And in a failed attempt to do that, an explosion goes off in which Han's carbonated body flies out of the ship and into the atmosphere of the planet below. Boba, having a jetpack, dives out after him and uh, grapples him with the rope uh, and brings Han and Carbonite back to his ship, which he then flies to Tatooine, and Jabba finally awards Boba for his efforts of capturing Han Solo. Uh, Boku's actions bring massive consequences, and this is going to play up a lot in the Book of Boba Fett. Vader slaughters all of them, all the Hut Council members, for their actions of betraying the Empire and attacking his ship with their ships. Uh, leaving Jabba as the sole authority over the Hut clans because there's no other members of the council. Boba suggests Jabba kill Solo by the way of the Sarlacc pit for all the trouble that he's caused and the fact that he doesn't ever want to see this guy alive again. Uh, and the story will continue. Uh, as far as Crimson Dawn goes, the story will continue with the uh, miniseries called Crimson Rain, which is going to be coming out next month in December. With a follow-up trilogy, uh, with a, a follow-up story to complete a trilogy uh, in 2022 called the, the Hidden Empire, and this is all done by the same author, uh, and I think it's done by Charles Soule, which, as we know, is one of the the favorite Star Wars writers. Hmm. So there you have it. Uh, Han Solo is now on Tatooine, and all is resolved. But what do you think of all that? That I'm surprised that they fit all that in. I never would have guessed that that happened. Uh, to me, the coolest part is actually the fact that it explains why when we meet Jabba in Return of the Jedi, why he seems like he's the only hut. Yet there's a, a council of huts through all of the Clone Wars. Yeah, so, I like that too. To me, that's the coolest part because I really did explain that. And to me, I had always kind of questioned what happened. I assumed we just didn't 
see any of the other huts in the in return of the jedi yeah yeah you're right and and i've always questioned that too so i was very happy when in the last like couple pages of this series after all this reading and everything i come across that those lines where it specifies him as the sole authority of the hut clans or the hut you know and i was like space like yes like finally like some clarity on this because in in the clone wars yeah it was brought up a lot that the hut council is a thing and if any big decisions need to be made it needs to be made in in front of the hut council and you know the hut council hires cad bane to uh to do some of the jobs that like break zero out of the republic prison and you know all this stuff so yeah it's important to know that now jabba is the only guy in hot space that matters and uh, every other and, head is met, yeah and you know. on top of that it also explains why at the end of return of the jedi when jabba dies it, everything kind of collapses because if there was yeah. all these other huts then why would like hot space no longer be a thing exactly yeah that's why it matters a lot because it's like you you would wonder like well if there's a hot council why is bib fortuna sitting on the chair and not somebody else right like yeah why not jabba's like cousin or something well it's it's because vader killed him and jabba <laughs> so, has a kid <laughs> yeah 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 rada okay uh, we have yet to get a story in which rada shows has, up <laughs> shows up again i i think yeah like i don't know at some point just, maybe they're gonna tell that story but yeah. it's just so disliked that it just disappeared from canon <laughs> <laughs> yeah I'm, I'm not surprised honestly uh we'll we'll get the story eventually but for now all that matters job is the only one left in the in the in the rulership era and mm-hmm. and this is important of course going forward with the the next set of stories that we have so uh return of the jedi finally uh we've hit that mark and boba continues to work under the employment of Jabba the Hutt for a couple jobs after delivering Solo. Uh, After Skywalker's capture and the day of the Solo Skywalker execution, as we know, uh, things went very badly for Boba. And during an escape attempt, uh, during a firefight, Boba fought against Skywalker, who used his lightsaber to destroy his blaster. In the ensuing chaos, Solo, still somewhat blind from the carbonation, was alerted to Boba's presence and uh, swung out wildly with a vibro axe, striking Boba's jetpack as he took aim at Skywalker with his wrist gauntlet. Uh, the impact caused the jetpack to ignite, sending Boba slamming into the side of Jabba's sail barge and then tumbling into the pit of Carcoon, known as the Sarlacc Pit. That's his appearance in Return of the Jedi. So, very small, but um, one small segment of his giant story. <laughs> yeah, but for a long time was the end of Boba Fett. Yes, yeah, that's true. Yeah, it angered time, many, like, many fans. <laughs> Boba Fett, who's Boba Fett? <laughs> Boba Fett, Boba Fett. <laughs> so uh, at this point in time, we hit the Mandalorian, which takes place five years after the uh, Return of the Jedi. Fett survived his fall into the Sarlacc pit, uh, though he was separated from his armor, which was found by Jawas and later acquired by the Tatooinean sheriff Cobb Vanth. At some point, Fett acquired a, Gat- a-, a Gradavi stick and a Cycler rifle. I'm assuming we'll probably get those holes filled in 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 the Book of Boba Fett. Possibly, uh, you know, it's possible that maybe he spent some time with the Tusken Raiders in a relationship there that coexisted for a while. Um, and though a number of rumors about his fate circulated, Fett was presumed dead after his fall into the Sarlacc pit. 
he came across Fennec Shand in the desert and saved her life when she agreed, and then she agreed to work as his partner after he rescued her from the the fateful gut wound that she took from the blaster. I don't know how she even survived that, but it is what it is. Yep. Good point. Uh, Vanth later gave Fett's armor to the Mandalorian bounty hunter Din Djarin in exchange for his help in killing the Krayat dragon that was terrorizing Vanth's town of Mos Pelgo. As Din returned to Mos Eisley and his ship, the Razorcrest, he was observed by Fett after watching Din Djarin. Fett descended from a hilltop to where he'd been uh, uh, standing. So at the very end of that episode, we see the Mandalorian ride off on his speeder bike and you know, we finally are confirmed Boba Fett's alive and, you know, he's standing on the hilltop looking out into the into the desert dunes kind of thing. Uh, so that was a pretty crazy moment. Eventually, Fett departed Tatooine with Shand on Slave One and together they tracked Din Djarin and Grogu to Tython. After a tense standoff about reclaiming his armor, Imperial transports were sent down from a cruiser and deployed stormtroopers in a skirmish against Din Djarin, Fett and Shand. Uh, Boba took on several stormtroopers with a cycler rifle and Gaddafi stick, and then he sees the Razor Crest open and unguarded, takes the opportunity to reclaim his armor, and he comes back to the battle and uh, ends it very swiftly. The Imperial stormtroopers literally running for their lives, and uh, <laughs> and he finishes them off with his single rocket that brings down two ships. Badass moment, one of the best things I've ever seen. I mean, Boba Fett's been gone for so long. We bring it back. We gotta do something big, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, so he agrees to help him in his mission to recover Grogu in payment for his recovered armor. He also shows Dinjarin his uh, his chain code, which is built into the armor system and uh, proves that the armor is in fact his and Django's before himself. Uh, Fett then takes part in Din Djarin's mission to Morak, and he acts as the getaway driver in Slave One when he extracts the uh, him and um, what's uh, what's the other uh, character's name? You know what I'm talking about, right? The the the, the Imperial Scout Trooper guy uh, that. Oh, well, I know what you're talking about. Yeah. yeah, I'm I'm totally blanking on his name right now. I I I knew the guy it yesterday. Is the- the comedian yeah yeah bill burr's character oh yeah bill burr man mayfeld right man well that sounds right right. yeah Yeah, that sounds right i think it's mayfeld yeah so when mayfeld and din jaren escape the you know it's narrow escape fit acts as the getaway driver drops the uh um uh you know the the uh, seismic charge and and they get away yeah as they they dupe their way on to get onto uh what's his face's ship yeah, yeah, uh, Moff Gideon. Yeah, that's the guy. Yeah. So after acquiring Gideon's coordinates from that base, uh, Fett and uh, the group use Slave One to pursue an Imperial shuttle carrying Doctor Pershing. The captor of the Doctor, and Slave One, uh, lands on the desert planet of Lafette as Fett and Dinjarin enter a diner to speak with Bo-Katan and Casca uh, Reeves. Dinjarin attempts to recruit Cries to help rescue Grogu, but after she says that they would not find Gideon. Fett suggested that they leave. Upon hearing Fett's voice, uh, she obviously recognizes him as a clone and not a Mandalorian. She says, you are not a Mandalorian. And uh, that anchors him a lot. <laughs> and um, and this kind of disgraces, and uh, is a disgrace to, a, to his armor for insulting Mandalore by wearing it and not being a Mandalorian. So uh, they have a bit of a brawl there and it's broken up and 
But, you know, then they decide to help Din Djarin in his efforts to save Grogu and all this and that because she knows that Moff Gideon has the Darksaber. So they go along with the plan. Mm-hmm. Following this, Boba helps in the final mission to infiltrate the Imperial Cruiser by staging a chase with Bo-Katan and Din Djarin and the rest, of the Instola, and, uh, and the rest in the stolen Imperial shuttle. After TIE fighters come after Slave 1, Fett disposed of the fighters quickly before jumping away into hyperspace, leaving the infiltration team to finish their mission and recover Grogu. Of course, we all know how that goes. Uh, they're saved by their necks by, of course, one Luke Skywalker who shows up to reclaim to claim Grogu after their uh, communication event on Tython. Uh, this event is a close call, but never leaves Boba facing Luke Skywalker again because, of course, they had the run-in on Tatooine only five years ago, and Luke is probably oh. one of the people responsible for yeah. his Him, fall into the Sarlacc yeah, pit. Yeah, exactly, going down the Sarlacc pit. It's a good question, though. If they did cross each other's paths, would Boba want revenge on Luke? I feel like he wouldn't consider Luke the fault. Like, no. Boba's the kind of person that if he came across Han Solo, he might do something, but oh, anyone yeah. else... Anyone yeah, else, anyone I, don't else think I think, yeah, anyone else, I don't think he would hold it against them. And also, I think at this point, he's kind of learned not to mess with a Jedi because that's kind of the fate of his father. And even though he does, even though he does have his quarrels once in a while, like like on Jabba's cell barge, like with the fight and, and all this and that, it, it's just, I, I think, I don't know, to me, I decipher that whole situation as... He was just doing that to maybe save Jabba's life in order to get paid again. Otherwise, he probably would have just flown away. Uh, True enough. Yeah, I mean, he definitely didn't have anything in the fight. No, yeah, he had no... Uh, aside from shooting Han Solo himself, he had no reason to be there. So, you know, I, I think, yeah, if he ever did come face-to-face with Skywalker again, maybe there'd be a little bit of a tense moment, but nothing crazy. And... I think it's wise that they chose to write the story the way they did in this episode in the event that they never cross paths because yeah, it just makes it all that more easy to just kind of go forward without those characters having crossed paths again. Yeah, fair enough. No, I agree with that. So prior to the book of Boba Fett, we have a little post credit scene in The Mandalorian where Fett and Chand return to Jabba's palace on Tatooine, which is now under the control of Bib Fortuna uh, or Big Bib Big Fortuna. <laughs> Is that big Fortuna? <laughs> big Fortuna, as Reed would say. Uh, Fortuna expressed surprise at Fett's survival after he fell into the Sarlacc pit. So this gives us the hint that Boba's never been back to Jabba's palace since. Uh, Which without- makes sense. It seems like he, from what we saw, he just got out of the Sarlacc pit and then probably lived with Tusken Raiders till we saw him. I guess so, yeah. And it must have been under some very odd circumstance that Bib Fortuna wasn't there that Fett was able to sneak in and steal back Slave One? Because I'm assuming he parks at Jabba's palace when he's on Tatooine. Just my guess. It's just my guess, but, you know, he... Or maybe he just left it there. Yeah, unless he just left it there the entire five years, and the first time he flies off is with Fennec Shand. Maybe we'll find out that Hondo stole it again. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Well, you know, I'd love to know what he's been doing in those five years, because I would have thought it maybe was five years for him to walk out of the desert. I, I, I guess so, so far. Yeah, <laughs> yeah maybe. <laughs> I don't know. I would walk 500 <laughs> miles and I would walk 500 more. So uh, without responding to uh, Bib Fortuna's reaction that 
Fett is alive, uh, he just shoots him and uh, throws his corpse off the throne, taking his place on the throne with Fennec Shand by his side, which leads us right into the book of Boba Fett. Um, Shows coming out next month in exactly almost four weeks. It's like December 20... What is it? The 23rd or 24th or something? 28th, I think. 28th? Yeah, yeah, 28th. or Yeah, it's it's some it's sometime at the end of December now. But um, that is almost like the full, complete story of Boba Fett. Now, they could always make other stories like all or what happened episodes, any character we do this coverage for. They could always come out with another story, and then instantly that podcast is kind of out of date. But it's a very good like staple this is what happened beginning to end and anything new that they do you know it's not really going to change a whole lot of what we just went over so no it'll only add to it yeah it'll only add to it it's it's not like the the great purge where we got rid of all the eu (laughs) and start fresh man what a terrible day that was yeah it's funny because in my head still boba fett does so much more yeah but there's not actually that much that's canon anymore i think he's just he just means a lot to people, right? And 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 for those of us who had read uh, the expanded universe stuff, um, you know, did you want to bring up anything notable in the expanded universe that maybe is worth talking about there? Because I know I br- I want to bring up a few things too. Yeah, there's a few things that crossed my mind. I'm not sure exactly where they were in the timeline. I think I think most of it is all pre-Return of the Jedi. Uh, and probably even pre Empire Strikes Back, but there was a I recall, and I wouldn't mind seeing again more involvement with like him versus the guild because the idea with Boba always was he he works outside the guild, and that's why he gets paid so much because he was always contacted privately. And then the guild really hates him; they're always trying to steal his jobs. Right. Yeah. That. You and know, the that- guild was run at the time. The guild was run by Bosk and his family. Yeah. Um, and, you know, it's funny that you bring that up because as a as an expanded universe storyline, uh, which I guess, you know, it would be not canon, it's possible they could canonize that in the book of Boba Fett. It's true. Uh, it, it kind of looked like it a little bit in the trailer. Yeah. But at the same time, it's not the same because it, cause it looked like it was the Bounty Hunters Guild. But at the same time, I think those are all like people he was trying to get him to join his like yeah like syndicate. partners partners of java that 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 no longer have java or bib fortuna to lead them so he's claiming the throne and they're wondering why they should let him right so yeah right uh, i guess i guess yeah i guess in bringing up that story about the guild and how he was a bit of an outlaw it's possible that whatever he does in the show could affect the guild like the bounty hunters guild right because I want, yeah, I want that to be a big part of the storyline because that was yeah. always involved with what, Bo, what, yeah, Boba Fett was was doing, right? Yeah, because in the trailer he states, "I'm no bounty hunter," like, it, yeah, and, which it's very obvious he has been his entire life. So, I'd love to know the event that happens or the choice he makes in in, in which the status of bounty hunter as a career no longer applies to him, and whether that is the guild kicking him out or him just walking away from that career in favor of ruling the hut clan is, you know, I guess we'll just have to wait and see, but yeah, like that's, that's one of those storylines that as long as the characters around, they could always kind of bring it back 
Yeah. And, you know, there, there's ways back into the guild, I'm sure. But yeah, yeah. It's, that's a neat storyline, of course, that a lot of people loved. And one thing we know is that he at least survives to the Rise of Skywalker because he's there to help uh, attack with all the other ships. Is it in the mix? I'd have no idea, but it's probably in there. <laughs> it means the fire spray's got to be in there somewhere, right? Like Slave One. Yeah, it's got to be. It's gotta they have, be I think they use every ship they could find, so it's got to be in there. Yeah, I'm just going to look this up. Is Slave One in The Rise of Skywalker? Let's just see. The Demise of Skywalker. The Demise of Skywalker. Um, so... It doesn't look like it is, or at least Maybe, nobody's found it yet. Yeah, found it, I think, is the key word there. I mean, being such a notable ship, though, like, I, honestly, it's, it's you know, some, some schmuck might have been like, hey, let's put this one at the front. I know what that one is. Not, not really thinking of the consequences. And I'm glad someone caught that if it happened and took it out because, I don't know, I, I, I'm not really feeling the whole... Boba fighting with the galaxy against the Empire, you know? Like That being just, said, they could have had other fire sprays. They could have, yeah. It could have been a different fire spray with a similar paint scheme, you know, if anyone does find it. Uh, who knows? <laughs> but it's such a cool we'll ship. To, and, we'll have to frame by frame to find it. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, one of the storylines that I really loved, I mean, I brought this up when I was talking with with Jess and you, and you on the uh, uh, the last episode we did with about the the legacy of Boba Fett and the the documentary that we watched on Disney Plus, and uh, one of the storylines I really loved growing up was the Scholastic book series Boba Fett, um, uh, the well Boba Fett the book series, which was uh, it was five or six uh, Scholastic size like kid size or junior style readers, uh, so pretty quick to get through. Like you know you could probably read the whole book in like four ish hours maybe uh maybe five but if depending if you're a slow reader or not but um you know back back then they're like those are still really enjoyable stories and it told the story of young boba between episodes two and three so very similar to what we got in the clone wars episodes that we have him in this uh this series kind of introduced him into that underworld environment and he crossed paths with um with Dooku, with uh, he, uh, the whole revenge against Mace Windu thing came up. Uh, he crossed paths with uh, with Dirge and Anakin and Ventress, and pretty much a lot of things that happened in the Clone Wars. And and I guess that's one more thing as to why I appreciate the Clone Wars so much. Is it, to me, it, it it didn't necessarily canonize those events, but it, it almost took that inspiration and made it a thing uh, mm-hmm. of some kind, right? So uh, again, like any big storylines in the eu that aren't canon anymore like him not being in the guild it could inspire a storyline that we get in the future which yeah you know we can yeah, really appreciate it's totally possible yeah uh i'm there's this another one that i i actually would like to see back even though it was a little bit strange but it was a really unique story and that's why i liked it and it was the fact that there was i think it was a comic series but it was it was dealing with with Boba Fett where in he, when he's in his later years, his DNA starts breaking down because he's a clone and he needs to find a way to save himself before before he dies, basically of cancer, just from the fact of being a clone. That's another cool storyline, yeah. And and of course, 
being stories told between episode six and seven, there was really a whole not, uh, not a lot there. Uh, and that could totally be a thing uh, that maybe he gets some sort of clone cancer kind of disease that, yeah, that just starts to break down his body. And uh, yeah, that would be really interesting, I guess, to see kind of the end end of life consequences that happen of being a genetic replication. Like, mm. even though he is pure genetic replication, maybe there is some sort of like a flaw in the process or something. Yeah, something that could come up. And, and yeah, that was kind of a cool uh, that's that's a cool idea as well, which of course yeah, like it was just a, it was made a really unique story that was very unique to Boba Fett, and of course he's a he's the only person we know who would have the skills to be able to seek out the kind of person who could actually help him deal with it too. So right, yeah, yeah, you know, and the the one thing that makes uh, this story so interesting, I mean, I I mean, I'm really excited for Book of Boba. You're really excited for Book of Boba. A lot of people are excited for this show, uh, but something that's definitely worth speculating about is uh we don't really know if this show has a second season coming out yet they haven't they haven't talked about it publicly uh that is um but we do know that mandalorian season three is going to kind of build off of this show and the first two seasons of its own show as well as ahsoka and uh the other show that's going to cross over uh in that time period which is uh um what is it now? I'm trying to remember. There's a bunch of shows happening in that mm. in that space, right? Uh, oh, it was Rangers of the New Republic. Yeah, and they, Rangers. And they canceled. Yeah, then they canceled that one. So. Well, postponed. We'll see what happens. Postponed, yeah. Taken off the production schedule, I guess. But uh, yeah, so I guess the, my question to you is, uh, like, I guess as far as this character goes, assuming that they don't kill him off in his own show, um, what kind of involvement are you hoping to see in the later or do you want to see involvement of this character in the in Mandalorian season three and thus this kind of heir to the empire era that they're kind of building us up to with Thrawn and the return of Thrawn and the empire and all this stuff uh you know like what do you think is going to happen with Boba in that space of time and following that I guess what would you what would you like to see other other than that clone cancer stuff, which would be kind of a cool storyline to bring back. But um, realistically, unless if the focus isn't on that character going forward, like, I don't know, how can we kind of anticipate I don't know. seeing him it's, again? It's a good question because they've made Boba move into a position that we never really saw him going, becoming a crime lord. So I'm not really sure where he's going to go from there. Like, I don't, is he going to get killed? Like, is someone going to betray him? Yeah. <laughs> like, I, yeah. Maybe, maybe he'll try it. He'll get betrayed. And then you'll have to, like, seek revenge on that person as his, like, empire crumbles. Yeah. Because, uh, when, so when the, when the empire, I guess, comes back, which is, it's, it, it can't be that big of a thing because they never really referenced it in the story so far between episode six and seven. But we do know that Thrawn's alive and the imperial remnants do exist. So, whatever ends up happening in the stories that they go forward telling uh, it's, it's going to be a battle, but I don't think it's going to be like a new whole war that happens between the rebels and the empire. And, you know, we're not going to relive that story again, uh, which tells me that hut space is going to be relatively unaffected. So if I were to 
throw any guesses out there, I would say that season one of Book of Boba is going to wrap up. If it's a success, they're going to carry on the legacy of that character in some way, shape, or form outside of the Mandalorian stories. And possible that we may even get a different show under a different title that could feature that character, but focus in on the Mm -hmm. underworld in general. And just just thought of an idea. Draw inspiration from that world, right? Mm -hmm. So hear me out. In the EU, and we talked about this with Jess, Boba becomes Mandalore, right? Yeah. And Boba isn't really an honorable person. He's a bounty hunter. And so it didn't really make sense for him to become Mandalore. So what if, instead of becoming Mandalore of the Mandalorians, he becomes a crime lord and then eventually is the sole controller of all, like the whole section of the galaxy that's hot space. It becomes like a warlord instead. Yeah. Oh, that'd be pretty neat. Um, so you're thinking that that might be something that'll come up in this show or in, in following the show? Probably following. I think this would be like the first steps of him becoming a warlord. Like think like Attila the Hun, right? Controlling like a large section of space. Cause right now it's kind of up for grabs. Cause like we said, Jab is, Jab is dead. The Empire's just fallen, uh, and the the rebels, they don't have, they're not together enough to, to have conquered the space and have rule of law across it. So he could take over a huge section and become like a like a, a pirate king or a warlord, right? Yeah, that's true. Um, and, and, you know, and, and technically, I mean, kind of that's, that's kind of like what Jabba is. So, yeah, by taking true. that throne... And this is kind of what I guess is curious about his line that says, uh, I plan to rule with respect rather than fear, which is what Jabba ruled with. Boba is a guy that so far in his career has ruled with fear and intimidation by reputation. Uh, Like he leaves a reputation behind as, as you don't want to mess with Boba Fett, right? Which is kind of a fear tactic. So it's, it's curious for me to see him say something like that and, and with the true intent of ruling justly. Uh, and it, it really questions where the show is going to go. Because, yeah, it's not just about this character at this point in time. It's also about what's going on in the galaxy. And what is he planning on doing to kind of use that to his motto of, I'm just a simple man trying to make my way in the galaxy, you know, like <laughs> I'm just a simple king trying to own my own my section of the galaxy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like, oh, I'm sorry, Bo, but you're no you're no longer just a simple guy trying to make his mm-hmm. way in the galaxy. You're you're well, now ruling hot space. <laughs> yeah, but then like, what happens if he does rule that giant section of hot space and then gets into a squabble with the New Republic? Then there's like a war, like a pirate war. Yeah, yeah, that could happen. Uh, a big pirate war would be pretty cool. Uh, maybe we'll see uh, characters like Hondo come back. We know he's still kicking around. Uh, <laughs> uh, there could be, yeah, there could be run-ins with, of course, a lot of, I mean, I'm really hoping that we see some of these bounty hunters return. I mean, having like Bosk mm-hmm. show up again. Yeah, because like, like, Bosk is still alive, right? He's yeah, not Bosk killed is, anywhere. Yeah, Bosk is still around. I think Dengar is still around. Uh, this big War of the Bounty Hunter story, storyline also brought back all these characters, including a fan favorite from the old Clone Wars show, which is known as Dirge. 
And uh, he also showed up in the old Scholastic EU Boba oh, Fett books. So Dirge is canon. Uh, no, uh, or yes, <sighs> he, sorry, yes, he is canon. Uh, uh, as of like this year, they made him canon and put him in the War of the Bounty Hunter crossover event. That's awesome. Is he, I haven't seen him. Does he look like classic Dirge from the yep. old animated series? Yeah, nice. he, yeah. He's got the same kind of physique going on, and I assume that means he's still made of intelligent worms. That Yeah, I was going to say. That's pretty yeah. cool. I always liked his character. It's a really cool yeah. idea. Yeah, it's like yeah, this it unstoppable force because it's an army of worms <laughs> yeah. underneath like Beskar. Yeah, so uh, yeah, I mean, oh, seeing a character like that come into this show would also be pretty neat. Uh, even making him like the villain, because if you think about it, Boba Fett could be ruling Hut Space with this true intent of needing to do, you know, need, needing to rule justly and, and this and that and trying to get the Hut Empire, the Hut Clan uh back on its feet again and and make it his and and he could have a previous bounty hunter in his life that shows up again out of the blue just turning themselves into a villain somehow by maybe he they had a quarrel with boba in this comic series that's been going on or in the bounty hunter comic series that's an ongoing series uh that maybe kind of comes up again and you know just creates a new fruitful plot line for this entire thing. I mean, I don't know how they're going to end this Crimson Dawn storyline in the comics, but however they end it could also affect the book of Boba Fett, you know, going forward because that, uh, that third volume, well, the second volume is supposed to come out next month, but the third volume could also come out early next year. So, you know, I don't really know how they're planning on wrapping that up, but maybe they'll leave it with, yeah, Crimson Dawn still around. Maybe they could be the antagonizing force against Boba's efforts to try and uh it uh, makes sense I, I could see it being some like like bounty hunter group or like you know yeah uh, the pikes underworld or something. yeah like oh Boba's alive and then they 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 want revenge on him for something he did right yeah yeah exactly uh something like that uh th- yeah there's there's lots to speculate on and and um yeah, this this show is going to be awesome. So, really looking forward to that. But uh, we have another question from Ellen, who sent one in, um, and uh, she says, uh, "What? What? what um, she says, uh, how did he survive in Return of the Jedi? This story is not really, or this answer is not really clear because obviously he survives, but how?" My mm-hmm. assumption is he's well, the best car. The best That's car. That's my for, guess. Yeah, the best car yeah. for one. The other could be the Sarlacc does take so long to digest stuff that maybe he does in fact get the jetpack working and flies out of it, right? Uh, but it's curious that he doesn't have the armor when yeah he's when he gets out, right? So. It could be that he got out with the armor, but then collapsed, and then he was robbed. Oh yeah, maybe that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, the Jawas being their usual, you know, usual selves, and mm-hmm. yeah, maybe just got, you know, yeah, screwed over by some Jawas or something. Who knows? Uh, the other thing is, um, this is my theory: is they will tell this story in the Book of Boba with a flashback. That's just my theory. Um, I think that's likely. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's just a, like something I think we're gonna get the answer to very swiftly when this show begins. 
I think what they're going to do to make it its own show is this is all just speculation. All right. I'm just throwing it out there, but I think they're going to start off the show with that scene, him just getting tossed in the Sarlacc pit Mm -hmm. and they're going to show exactly how he gets out. Maybe he launches a thermal detonator before he hits the bottom or something. Who knows? Then he gets vomited out or whatever and loses the armor for whatever reason that is. And uh, then it cuts to like him. That scene that we see at the end of the Mandalorian, it's going to play that again, takes the throne story continues. Right. I think something like that, I think is going to happen to kind of give people the answer. We've all been wondering how does he get out? Right. That makes sense. Do like a a flashback right at the beginning, some way, maybe he's talking to someone, maybe like Bosk or Dengar, like ask him like how he did it. And then he like tells the story. Yeah. Something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Right right at the beginning, I would think just so that people who are watching this series and didn't watch Mandalorian, like kind of get the story of why he's alive. Yeah. Watch Return of the Jedi, but not Mandalorian. Yeah. And the reason why I think they're going to play that scene again of him going to kill Bib Fortuna is that uh is either that scene is like halfway through or even in the first episode or second episode of the show I think we're gonna see that again because it's a very important moment where Boba does that and then takes the throne and makes it his so we're we're likely gonna see that that those scenes again uh in the context of an episode and it's probably just a small fragment of some larger thing that happens um, secondly, yeah, him getting out of that Sarlacc pit's a really big storyline for people mm-hmm. who didn't watch the Mandalorian, uh, who want to watch the Boba Fett, the book of Boba Fett and, and yeah, he's alive, but like, oh, how did it happen? And yeah, you know, maybe they don't know. He's got all the scars on his face from Mando and, and the, the gaffy stick cycler rifle, he's been on Tatooine for all that time. Like all those hints that we've been getting so far, maybe, maybe that's just not something that's going to carry over as well into this new show. So there has to be something there being its own identity of a show that they need to say, Hey, this is where he's at and how he got, how he escaped death. Because as far as I'm concerned, this show is not just building off of Mandalorian. It should also be building off of return of the Jedi. Yeah, absolutely. It should be. Yeah, especially because now we're in Jab- Jabba's palace, right? Yeah. yeah. So there's got to be a lot more connection to that. Exactly. Yeah, something. So, What uh, do you think he's going to put in that Rancor pit? <laughs> I Honestly, like, I, I don't know. I mean, uh, maybe he... <laughs> Maybe he gets into Rancor. I don't know. <laughs> uh, Shove some right? down there. Yeah, who knows? Uh, maybe he gets maybe, a, uh, a It'll be a swimming pool, and then he'll stand on it and use it as a slide. <laughs> Renovations to Jabba's Palace. Man, what what would you do with Jabba's Palace? Uh... Air conditioning. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a bit... It's a bit, uh, a bit I don't know. The moisture in there is... Uh, yeah. Needs a better air circulation, that's for sure. I think one of the last questions that we got is um, what are the main character differences between the two? I think, I think she's got a typo. She says the two Boba Feta. (laughs) Uh, That's probably meant to say Boba Fets, the two Boba Fets. I'm assuming that's meant for Boba and Django. Or is it Boba and Din 
The, oh, that's true as well. That could also be a possibility. Let's break this down. Um, so Django, obviously, being his father, there's kind of a very clear difference between the two of them. Character-wise, they're a bit similar. They're Yeah. I mean, if you looked at them side by side, they'd be the same. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, exactly. One's green, one's blue. Honestly, if I were to pick out any differences between Django and Boba, is Django has slight as a, as a Django has a bit more of a family ish vibe about him. Like obviously, the fact that he wanted Boba as his payment for being the clone template is a big deal to his character. And, that's and he's more of a samurai kind of a character. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Because he had the influence of his, well, his mentor, Jaster Mareel, right? Uh, I think that's what his name is. That uh, sounds, as I recognize the name. Uh, yeah, I think he was, I think it was Jaster Mareel. But um, he had, basically, Django had a Mandalorian person. Yes. Uh, yeah. So his master slash mentor was Jaster Mareel. Um, and in the canon... Um, Jaster Mareel has no story. Like they, they pretty much have his name in that encoded holographic thing that, that the chain code that Boba shows Din Djarin. Uh, but in the expanded universe in legends, he has a huge story and he was also, uh, I think they even brought his name up in the Republic commando comics or, uh, the Republic commando books. Um, but his biggest appearance was in uh, Django Fett Open Seasons, which was a Dark Horse comic series that kind of told a bit of an origin story for Django Fett. And uh, he also showed, uh, he was uh, mentioned in the uh, Legacy of the Forest Bloodlines book, Sacrifice and Revelation, which were all really big staple storylines for uh, for the solo kids and for uh, Boba Fett. So he's brought up a lot in the expanded universe and has just one mention in canon. But basically, Jast Mareel uh, takes in an orphaned Jango Fett after uh, the uh, after after his parents were were killed by uh, by some people. And I'm blanking on who killed them. There was some sort of uh, I think there was some sort of civil war going on or something like that. And uh, he had, to, I think it was, yeah, he, uh, Mar- Jaster Mareel was uh, opposed to the, uh, the death watch at the time, which in Canon, of course we know the death, wa- the death watch and the clone wars, but uh, something happened in the way that Django's parents were honorable people and they, they died and he becomes a bounty hunter and Mareel is the guy who trains him. So Django's got a bit of a more soft side and, um, honestly not as hardened as Boba is. And, uh, he had, a, a even though it was a tragic upbringing, I think this is his going off legends, but can also be applied to his character in the Canon. I mean, I don't know. I, as far as I'm concerned, I think there's there, even though they look the same and they're the same career and everything, there is a stark difference of background yeah. between Boba yeah, the, and Django. They're very different people. Whereas yeah. Boba is more of like a gunslinger, right? Yeah. Yeah, like he's supposed to be that that like a bounty hunter that rolls into town and like it's just he's there just to get his guy and get out. He just he's yeah kind of he's very like that classic old west character. Yeah, exactly. I just wanted to ask a quick question if you have an answer to it because well, firstly, 
is Django considered an actual Mandalorian? Oh yeah, so that that's that's a big question that and by extension Boba Fett, I guess this would apply to as well. So technically so man the Mandalorian being Mandalorian is it's not necessarily a people, it's a creed, right? Mm-hmm. So that's that's like the most important thing to determine who and who isn't a Mandalorian. Um he was brought up, Django was brought up by Jaster Mareel, who is a Mandalorian, and so was his, was his parents. So Django, by extension, is intended to be a Mandalorian, but he walked away from the Mandalorian life. Uh, okay, that's why. Because yeah, I was wondering, so, if he was taught and raised by Jaster Mareel, who was a bounty hunter, or sorry, was a, a Mandalorian, you would then think that because that's the origin of most Mandalorians. They're adopted. Yeah. So you think that would make Django Mandalorian. Yeah. And technically he is and he also isn't because he's not part of a creed. He's not part of the creed or a clan, but he was brought up in that life. Right. And Boba, by extension, is not brought up in that life. Boba is Django's son, which is his legacy. So... So Django, yes, was a Mandalorian and was at one point and then no longer is. And in the Clone Wars, uh, one of the characters uh, uh, who is the uh, prime minister, all these names, man, uh, who's the prime minister Almac, he's he's the guy, he's a prime minister of Mandalore. He says to Obi-Wan Kenobi, who comes asking about a Death Watch member who has the same armor as Django Fett, who uh, struck... um, an attack on a Republic cruiser killed a bunch of people or something like that. And uh, he asks about Django Fett and stuff. And, and then he's met with this retortive response that's just said, oh, Django Fett was a common bounty hunter. Like how he acquired that armor is beyond me. And mm-hmm. so like a lot of people, they might know the name of Django, but they're, they're like, no, he's, he's not a Mandalorian. He can't be because he's not, he doesn't represent anybody of yeah. Mandalore. Right. He's acting on the, his own. The main own. thing is, yeah, he's not in a, like a yeah. Cree or like a one under like a family, right? Like exactly. But, yeah. I think in the EU there was like a Fett family from Mandalore. Yeah, uh, yeah. Well, Django, yeah, Django Fett. Like even though he was brought up by ja- by Jaster Mareel, which is the guy who adopted him as a mentor and everything like that. Um, it, it, Django's father and mother were fets like that's the the, the fet name is a is a mandalorian yeah okay name. that's yeah. that's what i was kind of getting into yeah. Yeah. something that crossed my mind just kind of funny is from start to finish so boba fett shows up empire strikes back return of the jedi he's super cool so cool in fact that they make an entire race based around him only for Boba and his father Django to be kicked out of the same race. <laughs> it's <laughs> funny how things work out, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. So uh, we should roll around to the question of uh, what's the difference between Boba and Din Djarin? Um, the same kind of comparison is there. I mean, they're obviously way different characters when you look at them side by side. Din Djarin has, has he's a man, he's a true Mandalorian, belongs to a clan. His code, his job and his code as a bounty hunter is embedded in his roots. Like this guy is by the book. Like if you were to meet a Mandalorian who's by the book, it's Din Djarin. Like he, he's there. He's not a scumbag. He doesn't do any, like he's a protagonist of the show. So even though he's a bounty hunter, he's not a bad guy. Right. 
uh, and Boba, as far as we know in canon, he is a well, he, member, but he's that being a bit said, more edgy. True. Yeah. But that being said, Din Djarin isn't what we know of as a classic Mandalorian, but he follows no. the code. That's right. Like properly, yeah. like a proper Mandalorian, but a traditional Mandalorian as we've been like seeing in the past is someone who they live for the fight and nothing else. So they're always yeah. seeking a new challenge to best in, in combat. The other thing to keep in mind about Din Djarin is he's actually, as we know from Bo-Katan's little comment, is he's actually a member of the Watch, which is kind of an offshoot cultist group of Mandalorians who have a different belief system in the way that Mandalore should be operated and run. So that's why his little saying, this is the way, that's not something that all Mandalorians say, and it's not something Boba Fett would be familiar with. And yeah. so like, yeah, his upbringing in, it's funny because we're comparing Django, Boba and Din Djarin. And if you think about it, none of them are authentic Mandalorians. Yeah, it's um, true. And yet they all wear the Mandalorian armor. An authentic Mandalorian is even, well, even Bo-Katan, like she's... It's she Death was, Watch. Death Watch is a traditional Mandalorian. Yeah. If you think about, yeah. So basically all the characters we know, Bo-Katan is the most true mandalorian that shows up in in those in that show um because her sister was also satine who we know as the duchess of mandalore so yeah like i think bo-katan is about as close as it gets and even though bo-katan had the more military aspect behind her more of an aggressive means to rule mandalore whereas her sister was a pacifist um bo-katan is a mandalorian in the sense that she has a clan She's got the whole armor thing going on, but she isn't restricted to taking her helmet off like the cultist group. She doesn't have the this is the way saying about her. She believes that about the dark saber being the ownership of the ruler of Mandalore and follows the code of the dark saber by having to best the person that has it in order to claim it and all this and that. Like she's the most Mandalorian mm -hmm. that as it gets. Dinjarin doesn't give a crap about the dark saber. He just almost gives it to her. He's like, I don't care about this. Like. Yeah, you know, rule Mandalorian for all I care. That's what makes him not a true Mandalorian, even though he is called the Mandalorian and the show is called the Mandalorian. He's only kind of a Mandalorian because it's an offshoot. It's an offshoot. And truly, he doesn't really he's not familiar with the dark saber. So Protestants the way that, and Catholics. Yeah. It's kind of like that. Yeah. Because yeah, if you, if you ask a Protestant about some of the stuff that a Catholic is like, even though there's such a similarity there, it's like, there might not be a whole lot of familiarity with each other. Right. right. So yeah, it's kind of the same thing, which is very ironic when I think about it. Cause I'm only, as I'm talking about it, realizing how kind of ridiculous it is that the show is called the Mandalorian and technically he's not he's a Mandalorian. Not. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. Something that I think is quite funny is a lot of people's biggest complaint about uh, the reveal of Boba Fett as a kid is you see him without his helmet on because yeah. the original Boba Fett was the man with no face from the old <laughs> West movies. Right. And so what Dave did is he made a whole series based around the original concept of what the fans saw as Boba Fett. Yeah, pretty much. Um, and, and, and they made that, it into a cult, which is even funnier because there's basically a cult of fans <laughs> that think that's the way it should be. Yeah, exactly. And, <laughs> you know, we're talking about Din Djarin being the, uh, I mean, essentially Din Djarin is the legacy of Boba Fett as, as an outside behind the scenes kind of reason. 
the reason why we have shows like the Mandalorian or a show like the Mandalorian is because Boba Fett is awesome. Like that's the only yeah. reason why we have a show like that. And, oh, for sure. Yeah, and so like you know that's the, <laughs> you know that that that's all I have to say about that because um, and, and now of course now we have the book of Boba Fett. Uh, fans of the Mandalorian should be really really excited about this show, not just because it's the follow up to season two of Mandalorian. But it's because Boba is the inspiration for the Mandalorian, and this show is based on that character. So, you know, if anyone who's anyone loves that show, you should be like doubly excited for this one because it's Boba Fett. So, you know, I it's hear I cool. hear everyone around yeah. the planet right now listening to this who's a part of the Boba Fett fan club going like, yeah, he's Boba the <laughs> Fett. His bedpacks got jets. He bound a heart for Jabba the Hutt to finance his vets. <laughs> I think it's time we call Dave. Uh, we, we got a few minutes left. So uh, how about how about we give Dave a call? Give him a ring. Yeah, let's see what Dave's up to. Yeah, let's do it. Uh, let, you know what? Let's go to the cantina and give him a call from there. All right, here we are. Um, let's grab that empty table over there and give him a call. All right, give him a call on the uh, the hollow projector, shall we? Let's let's do it. Hey, Dave. Hey, what's up, guys? Oh, hi, Dave. Dave, how's it going? Oh, yeah, I'm sure you're. I'm sure you're really hard to work working on the the book of Boba Fett coming yeah. out here pretty soon. Oh, Did- oh man, you, you have no idea, John and I. You know. <laughs> well, I'm sure there's still lots of advertising and probably doing the last final cuts of it, getting it together. Don't mean to interrupt it. Is all I'm saying. We're really looking forward to it. Think it's gonna be a really good show. Oh yeah, oh, for sure. Man, you know, it's gonna be one of the best shows that that fans have ever seen. I mean, Boba Fett returning to Star Wars and uh, having his own show is just crazy. I mean, that's you know, true. It's uh, it's unbelievable to be able to make this with Robert and, and John. You just had to get rid of George, and then you could bring him back, huh? <laughs> understood the fans when it came to keeping this character around and um, I think it it took uh, it, it took all the fans pestering and whining about it for for so long that that he decided to make Django and so on and so forth if you haven't watched the documentary that's right here we are looking up it's nothing but uh, clear skies ahead now Dave I don't want to take out too much of your time so maybe just let me ask you can you give us one sneak peek spoiler maybe what's coming up in book of Boba Fett we're all, we're all really anxious to find out Something. <laughs> <laughs> is Hondo in it? Is Hondo in it? We all want to know. Is Hondo in going to be in the book of Boba Fett? I'll, I'll give you one, one hit. It, it, the show is about Boba. <laughs> all right, see you guys. Oh, wait, Dave! <laughs> what, Dave? Oh, oh. Man, you know, that Dave, he's, he's, he's got away with fans, that guy. Yeah, you know, if you look up T's... In the Webster's Dictionary, there's a picture of Dave Filoni. Oh, tell me about it. I mean, it's right next to uh, the the definition of fan servicing. All right. So, uh, is there any last minute thing that you want to bring up before we wrap it up? 
I think we covered it all pretty good. I'm just, I'm excited. It's going to be a lot of fun. We're about one month away, roughly. And I think it's going to be a really good show. I really do. Yep, it will. And uh, we can all look forward to that on December 29th. So until the next podcast episode, I guess uh, we'll, we'll catch you in the next one. Blake. Got a blast. Thank you guys for tuning into the podcast once again. Best way to help us out, dropping a great review, some stars, and of course, sharing the show with a friend. All the ways to get in touch with us here at Star Wars Escape Pod are in the description below. And if you thought this episode was great, you know, feel free to tag us on one of those social media handles, whether it be Instagram or Twitter or whatever. And uh, feel free to send your comments, questions to our email or our direct messages or whatever. And sometimes we get back to you, sometimes we don't. But, uh, you know, we always love to hear from everybody and, uh, of course, uh, anyone who sends in a voicemail. So shout out to all you guys who've been sending in voicemails. It's always it's always great to hear your voice and uh, uh, hear what your what your thoughts are on questions that we ask for questions of the week, uh, which I don't think we've done for a little while. So question of the week being, what do you think is going to happen in the book of Boba Fett? I mean, it's right around the corner. Now that you know a lot more stuff about this character, what are your hopes and wishes for the show? And and uh, your suspicions of what's going to happen because hopes and wishes can be different on uh, speculation. So, you know, they don't need to be the same thing. Uh, Columbia has just launched a sportswear lineup of Boba Fett-inspired jackets and sweaters and stuff. So be sure to check it out. If you like Boba Fett, you might find some of those pieces of apparel worth buying. And, uh, you know, with this show around the corner, you're going to see a lot more Boba Fett stuff on the shelf. So keep an eye out for all that stuff. And also, keep tuning in to StarWars.com for Bring Home the Bounty for weekly releases of new products on the shelf. Until next time, guys, may the Force be with you, and we'll see you in the next episode of Star Wars Escape Pod.